Hey there, it's Ben. This is part of our series on the basics of play. Today we're talking about the Destiny Pool. I'm hoping that this is pretty helpful. Also, we've got a bit in there on how to build a dice pool, so get really helpful on that. do want to give a quick shout-out to Coruscant Knights, a fellow podcast that is now a backer. You can be like them at patreon.com slash White. Thank you, and now on to the show. Lisa, I'll get on the triple lasers if you'll dodge us in behind that drift of Nebras. I swear they weren't there a minute ago, but they just showed up after we went around that asteroid. I'll dodge, but don't you shoot them. Nebras are majestic creatures and don't need to be get caught in the crossfire. I drift between the giant rays and try to fly as casual as possible. Welcome to a majestic tale from the Hydean Way. We're your hosts, Risa D. And Ben Gendel. This week, we are talking about story points or destiny points depending on which one you're going for, whether you're doing the Star Wars RPG line or the Genesis RPG line, because they've got the same sort of DNA to them. They're the same game mechanic, but they have a different setup to them. Yeah, because of the different setup, it really feels like there's a bit of a different underlying thing to them, I think. Yeah, there's a different vibe almost to them. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like we kind of want to talk about like today (laughs) what we can use them for, what like specifically they are worth narratively and mechanically speaking and also like the differences between them in genesis and the star wars i feel like that's my outline of like what i want to talk about (laughs) okay that sounds like a pretty good outline so the main difference between like between story points and destiny points is in the star wars system destiny points you roll at the beginning of a session you roll force dice to figure out your pool. So every every player rolls a force die, but the GM doesn't. So, But every player rolls a force die to figure out if there's a, a dark side point, you get a dark pip, you, get, you know, and so on and so forth. So you get kind of a more balanced pool. Depending on how you're wanting to look at it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, true. <laughs> there's There's usually a more like even number between dark side and light side points. You've got a decent chance of getting like three and three instead of like one and five. Yeah. Whereas with story points, there is a player point for every player and a GM point for the GM. And that's how the pool is built at the beginning of the session. There's definitely something to be said about rolling that four die and then everyone rolling twos. Yeah. Half the people rolling two light side and the other two rolling two dark side and turning into six light side, four dark side. Everyone's got points. You're just flipping them like mad. And the thing I find in those situations, it's with everyone flipping them, everyone trying to use them as much as they can, the balance doesn't change. Yeah. But they also don't feel as precious. People are more likely to flip them if there are more of them. They're more likely to be used. As opposed to if there aren't as many of them. So if everyone just rolls ones, people are like, well, I don't know. I, I, we just don't have very many. So I don't, I don't know if I want to flip it. And that's always just like, just go for it. Just do it. Go for it. <laughs> Getting someone to use the second to last point is excruciating. Yeah. We, we chant at my table. Because oh, we just call, we call them pips. I don't because we go flip that pip. And it's, it's, we will literally start chanting for people. Good. Because peer pressure, you know, 
Um, I mean, at a game table. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, the worst that can happen is it's just it's an RPG, right? So it's like, yeah. this is this is where peer pressure is fun. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just be like, flip that pip, flip that pip. And, you know, to do fun and completely dumb things like let's make a really impossible check to do a cool flip. <laughs> you know, <laughs> nice. You know, why not? Because it's I, we want to do something really cool. Why not? That's what these are there for. For me, that's sort of the fun part is trying to find new reasons for flipping a destiny point or a story point. Get doing the impossible roles. Sometimes it's players are wanting to do something that you think is just patently, well, no, but okay, this is like a 1% chance thing. This is your one in a million shot. Well, okay, it'll be an impossible roll and then we'll start going into it after you flip that pit. Pretty much. (laughs) <laughs> you can't even roll that unless you flip a point. Like, not going to happen. And then they decide to. Yeah. <laughs> we had someone do that where she was like, well, do I know anything about, gosh, what it was? I think it was literally like Mustafar or something like that. And we were like, why would you know anything about that? She was like, well, why wouldn't I? We were like, that would be an impossible astrogation check or something like that. And she, she's like, fine, I do it. And she flipped it. And we were like, fine. And she rolled it and she actually succeeded. And it was ridiculous. And everyone at the table just goes crazy, just completely wild. Because <laughs> she, just, she just did it. It was amazing. <laughs> no, it sounds pretty amazing. And that's what the impossible rolls are. Like, that's the fun part to me. Yeah. My first impossible rule, getting someone to do an impossible rule piece, well, I don't play enough to actually get <laughs> cornered in one. I was using a modular adventure, like long-time listeners of the podcast will know this scenario. There was a rampaging Ronto that was coming through a, it was like a dockside cantina. There was a showdown with a security guard, someone had dropped a data pad in someone's pocket, and then as a distraction to get away, a Ronto comes charging through the side. And one of the players decided, well, I don't really see a way out of this, because for some bizarre reason, running isn't an option. So I'm going to try and jump on the back of that Ronto and calm it. (laughs) It was like an impossible roll with... It was upgraded once or twice, just because it seemed like a thing. Like, because you're jumping up there and all that sort of stuff. And they fail. Actually, in that case, they failed with a despair. <laughs> they kind of went squish under a Ronto, and then there was others, and only the guy who didn't show up had his character living. Getting impossible rolls to happen is one of the good things, because it's a nice gating thing. I mean, it's the nice gating thing behind signature abilities. Oh, yeah. You have to use two Destiny points when you start using them to even get it like it's a amazing totally epic thing but you still have to have those two destiny points and use them yeah also means you don't get to use them on the roll no <laughs> <laughs> to me that's the fun part in force and destiny campaigns is yeah sure when you're starting out, wounds are sort of the main currency because what well, you're getting into fights and all that sort of fun stuff then you get into, like, you're a bit more experienced and you get into the strain is the actual currency. Am I going to get strained out? Can I do <laughs> this second aim maneuver this time? Can I move? All that fun stuff. Oh, no, the GM just gave me two strain because, well, I rolled two threat and something hit nearby or something like that. <laughs> then, especially in Force and Destiny games, there's that economy of Destiny points because 
you only get to use one per roll. Yep. It's like the first three sessions of a player's interaction with things that they start learning that. In all seriousness, probably Brett from Heroes has been the quickest I've seen on the uptake for those. <laughs> yes, Vistrano's got uh, the doctor ability of, like, I think it's like anatomy lessons, flip a destiny point and get extra damage. Mm-hmm. That is very much. And also, Brit is so new that they know that they've just recently read the rules. So it's like, yeah, well, you only get to use one destiny point per roll. So right there in the front of their brain. Like, I've seen some very experienced players get caught up on that. Yeah. Oh, no, I wanted to do this. Yeah, but you already used it. (laughs) Especially, and like you said, it especially gets with the Force and Destiny players. Because it's like... So many of those you have to, sometimes it's like you have to flip a destiny point to be able to access dark side yep. stuff. So it's <laughs> like, or if you're so far down on the dark side, you have to flip one to be able to access the light side. So if you've rolled, you've rolled only enough like dark side pips on your dice to be able to use, you'd have to flip a point to be able to use them. But if you've already flipped your point to be able to, uh, like you've upgraded your role or something, you can't use those pips now. Yeah. So now you're having to think about, okay, so I shouldn't use it to upgrade my role because what if I need it for the pips? <laughs> I've had a player with a character that had, I swear they were rolling five and four dice at the time <laughs> and rolled successfully on the roll, but they had upgraded the roll mm. and it came up 10 dark side points. Oh, no. That was, it was an interesting role-playing experience on account of, it really seemed to sort of fit the character at that point in time, but also they are the sort of player who is very min-maxy, which was the whole reason why they flipped the point going into the upgrade check. Yeah. I want to make sure that I do this, but then randomness just did not work in their fashion. Yeah. They were so angry at everything. As a oh, player, yeah. and then also as a character, it was a- the dark side was flowing through them. You know exactly, exactly. exactly. That's why they were angry. <laughs> now, their anger was just making them just a lightning rod for the dark side, so they couldn't use it. <laughs> I did that a lot when I was I because I had never played a force user before, and then okay. my first force user, I was so used to upgrading my checks. <laughs> I was just, because I'd, I'd never played a force user before. So I was just so used to just being like, I'll flip a point to upgrade my check. And I just never thought about needing to use that point for anything else, really. That was just what I was used to using it for. So then I was like, oh, well, I'll just, and then it's like, no, you can't do that, Risa. You've already used a point. <laughs> it's like, oh no. I was, it was many a uh, very frustrated, fine. <laughs> Oh, as a GM, I've run into that as well, because there's a few talents for Nemesis and maybe a few rivals that are flip a destiny point to do this Mm. because they're silly, powerful things like flip a destiny point to use Supreme Reflect, (laughs) shoot something back at the players. It's like an amazing talent, but like there's got to be a cost on it. Yeah. And I've had that backfire on me too. It's like, no, I was upgrading that check to make sure that it was harder for you to hit on their adversary three target. <laughs> and then, no, they hit. Oh, I'm wanting to use... No, I can't. And then there's also the, do you allow your players to try and up the ante back at you? Because we don't at our table. If one person... Cause I, it's kind of unclear if that's allowed. 
if the GM uses it to upgrade your check, if you're allowed to use it to upgrade your, your, your side of the check. We don't allow that. We say whoever does it first is the one who gets it. So if the GM upgrades the check, you're not allowed to upgrade your side of it. That's how we have it. So whoever gets it first is like the one it's like, okay, you got it. So yeah. same thing is like if we're like, oh, we're going to upgrade your check to the GM. We, we got it first. So now the GM can't upgrade their own check. <laughs> that's that's how we play it. But I don't know how other people play it, actually. For my Thursday night group, what I've been doing is, and this purely utterly house rule, is mm-hmm. we do all the build the dice pool, modify, upgrade, downgrade. And then at the end of that, then we sort of do a second round of upgrade for Destiny. And we can both flip. You can't flip the same one. You can't get to the point where I'm flipping and then you're having to flip back because... Mm. Only if there are enough for you to flip if the other one hasn't flipped. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Sort of going to... If there's two. If there's a light side and a dark side, you can both flip. If there's Mm -hmm. two dark side, one can flip, but you can't flip back. Yeah. In other words, you can't touch the same pip. Okay. That's how we've done it. With the Thursday group, we've started to do sort of that second round. Yeah. I've got a performer, charmer, and a few others where it's like, you've got enough congenial to wipe out reds. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I understand you've spent a huge amount of experience on this, but there's got to be something in here for upgrading that. Yeah, definitely. Honestly, it's been like five years since I've read the actual dice thing. <laughs> I'm not entirely certain I read it to begin with, to be completely honest. Like, that's not entirely true. I learned it through the beginner games. Yeah. And the upgrading just doesn't come in much in the beginner games. Yeah. I know that everyone at my table probably has read the rules quite thoroughly. <laughs> so I'll, I'll believe them. But we also do that, like, we build the pool and then we everyone has it, like, we have a chance to okay, now you can roll. And in that, okay, now you can roll, there's that chance of, I'm going to flip the pip in that moment after building the original dice pool. That's kind of how we do it. So like, I can be like, it's going to be a hard check, but I'm going to upgrade it because of such and such and add a setback for such and such. And then from there, so I do, we do usually do that. And I think it's that's kind of how it's supposed to be. I don't know. I don't know anymore. I, now, I, now, I'm, now I'm second guessing. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure. I don't know. It, it, because because people because people do have so many talents that's like, oh, yeah. I, I can take off my setback because of this. I take off the, you know, I downgrade because of this. Because of this charmer performer, I've been looking <laughs> through it somewhat recently because I'm trying to figure out whether my house rule is overly aggressive. I try and be fair. Even though mm-hmm. it was also just, you also should have a red, you jerk. <laughs> yeah, he's rolling four difficulty dice and get yeah, all purples. Why? Because congenial. <sighs> it's, they figure out, oh, I'm using this skill, this attribute. And then you figure out your difficulty, whatever difficulty you want. Like, And if you're building it, like it's going to be this as a base with this upgrade, that upgrade, this upgrade. Say you're doing an opposed check against a shopkeep that has two negotiation, and three presents. Mm -hmm. That base is going to be, like that just raw base is going to be two red and a purple. Yeah. On account of you have combined this skill in such a way. In doing that, you've got a base skill. But there's also difficulties for other things. 
I'm wanting to leap this 20-foot chasm. Okay, well, that sounds like it's a hard check, maybe even daunting. So, yeah, sure, let's go with daunting. It's four dice. But because it's also a medium-distance drop, that is going to upgrade two of the difficulty because of environment around. It's going to make it at least feel harder. It's going to up your nerves, make it more difficult. Definitely. For even my uh, copy of the Edge book, the first 40 pages are almost like pristine from the printer. That first <laughs> little booklet thing inside. I forget what they're actually called. You add the dice, you upgrade, downgrade the dice, and then you, at the very end, like, you know those talents where it's remove two setback from this or yeah. remove a boost, if that ever happened. <laughs> but the very, very end is when you remove a setback from a roll. Yeah. It's like you go through all the upgrades and downgrades and all that sort of fun stuff, and then you get to the remove setback. And then you roll. Yep. Okay. So, somewhat circling back. <laughs> the common thing, like, if anyone listens to Heroes, they won't know that I love upgrading checks because it's a very easy way of using destiny points. And my players love using destiny points, so I get a boatload. Like, <laughs> it doesn't matter if I've got four players and they've each rolled one light side. There have been Heroes episodes where that's the case. I get to use a lot of destiny points in those situations. My players yeah. do not lock them out. Like, upgrading a check is so easy. It is the textbook thing to do. Yeah. But there are other uses. Definitely. So that's like the easiest mechanical way to use it, in in my opinion. I was watching someone play a game. I was watching an Edge of the Empire game yesterday, and someone was talking about, well, I can't I contact my droid from the ship? And the GM goes, well, does your droid have a comm? <laughs> and they were like, I don't think I ever gave him a comm. They were like, you could use a destiny point, and then you would have given your droid a calm. Because that's like that's a really good thing to use, narratively speaking, for a destiny point. Something like that. A destiny point flip, you spend 25, is that how much they cost? 25 credits? Uh, for a calm link, yeah. You know, just flip that point, say, yeah, I've, I did buy him that, and I can now <laughs> talk to him. Right? Yeah. That's a good narrative use yeah, for a destiny point. It's also a great mechanical use for it. Like, yeah. <laughs> the reason why I say that is that it's using it that way is, especially in like that situation, can I contact my droid? Well, did <laughs> you remember to give them a comm link? Oh, shoot, no. Or it's like, did I remember to get a comm link? Ah, oh, of course not. Why would I do that? I thought everyone <laughs> comes with one. <laughs> I've had entire player groups where it's like, yeah, the one person, the old grizzled role player who's also got like the Jedi utility belt and all the other things. It's like, yeah, they're the only one with a comm link. They also don't have a blast. <laughs> That's beside the point. <laughs> I actually do have players where it's, if I need a weapon, I will find it on the way. <gasps> Amazing. They're disturbing and they usually get the blaster. <laughs> They'll be the only one with a comm link. So it's like, ah. Uh, well, shoot, I've got this 25 credits. Can I just, yeah, absolutely. In the end, it's a small cost. Is yeah, sure, they have to spend the credits or they have to spend the money. It isn't stopping the game and it's a forehead smacking. Oh, shoot, I forgot this. Yeah, that's a fun one. There's another one. One time we were trying to get out of an exploding building and all of us were failing our athletics checks to run out of this hallway as the building was exploding. And so we, I flipped the destiny point and suddenly there was an exit right by us and we were able to get out the emergency <laughs> exit. 
just in time to only take some wounds instead of dying. <gasps> no, that's a good one. Yep. That, that was my favorite use so far <laughs> of being able to not die. Oh, look, that uh, um, flip. Emergency exit. Um. <laughs> <laughs> From a player's standpoint, that's some of the best things. It's like, okay, it's a powerful thing. But the beautiful part about that function is that oh, look, I'm just giving it back to the GM, and then the GM gets yeah. it back, and it's always trading back and forth. It's never consumed. It's always transmuted. Yeah. yeah. It is a, an economy of Destiny story points, which I feel like is good. However, sometimes I have had whole sessions where players have been like, well, no, we're not using them. We're not using them because they're going back to the GM that way. And that was when I was a player, not when I, not, which makes me feel better because it wasn't me as the GM where they were too afraid to give them back to me. But at the same time, it was like, I don't think we we should have been that afraid because it's not like he was doing anything like with them to really, that was like bad. He was just like upgrading checks or just flipping them and then saying a story point that was already happening. So it's like, he'd flip it and be like, and now some stormtroopers are coming. And it's like, the stormtroopers were already going to come. Yeah. He's just being nice to us and giving us the destiny point back at the same time. Yeah, now as a GM, you can understand that. Yes, but at the at the time, it was like, well, we're not going to use these points because if we give them back, then stormtroopers are going to show up. But it's like the stormtroopers are going to show up anyway. Yeah, but he's already in control. <laughs> he doesn't need this. He doesn't need the destiny point for the stormtroopers to show up. <laughs> See, I don't purposely do it, but I know I do it. Especially on longer games, like my monthly group, I'll do this more so than with my Thursday or with the heroes, is the longer it goes in between a Destiny point use, the more I am willing to ramp up everything. Yeah. As a GM, I am totally going to use my last point. Yeah. Just to show it's like, yep, yeah. oh, you're, you're going with just that one and you're too afraid to use it? All right, fair enough. But I'm not, and I'm just going to keep using it. Because yeah. the more I use them, the more it reminds you that you use them. And it's like, oh, now they can't do anything. They have to wait for the next turn around. So they can't use it on this roll. I think that's why I'm not a huge fan of the way that Genesis starts the pool. Is that I start out with one point. As the GM, I start out with one point and I can't... Once I use that point, they're all in there. It's just all player <laughs> points now. And there's nothing I can do about that. So... I kind of always feel like I need them to use the first point. Otherwise, especially since with my main group, they're the ones who, uh, when I was on the player side, they hoarded the points one that one time. And so I always have that in the back of my mind that I'm like, but what if they just hoard all the points? <laughs> and Genesis does have that one. As, as a player, I can totally get behind it. But as a GM, it's also amazingly brutal. Yeah. The normal human thing of just being able to flip a story point. Yeah. Like, I totally get why it's there and all that, but it's also, as a GM, that can be the most disheartening thing. I mean, it's like, fine, I won't be upgrading your checks or anything, but I still have control over the story, guys. Like, that's still happening. <laughs> I was just I was just pretending that those were, those points were doing anything. <laughs> In some ways, it is. As the GM, you already have control over the difficulty and the story, so you're you're in control of the world. So you don't need to use those points for doing anything. Whereas as a player, 
you're not in control of the difficulty, the story, the world. So to be able to affect any of those things, you need to be able to use a point to do it. So the fact that as a GM, I'm using the points is me being nice and giving you points back to use. <laughs> the thing that I found, the more they one side hoards them, the other side forgets that they're there. Yeah. They won't start the economy, like we've been calling it, of flipping back and forth and back and forth. Yeah. And everything's more fun if you're using them. Okay, there's two things to this. And the first being, like what you had initially talked about, is there's a few things that as a player or a GM, you can flip a point and something happens. You can fundamentally change the game world. One of them is, oh, look, this patrol of stormtroopers is coming by. And then a player group says, oh, yes, but there are these partisans sitting in wait for them. Sort of going back and forth, and somehow I've got Rogue One stuck in my head. <laughs> Using those story points to create something more interesting along with it. As a GM, as a player group, it once you start into that, it's a level of trust that's there. Being able to accept it, and it's also a level of uh, improvisation. It isn't just a stormtrooper squad like I had been planning. Oh no, it's an entire platoon coming by. Because, well, <laughs> these players have a heavy that just will <laughs> take out everything. To use a term from Numenera, it's a GM intrusion tool that's great that allows the players not to feel cheated. Yeah. Where, yeah, I'm putting a platoon of stormtroopers around and I flip a destiny point. Or you're doing a negotiation and it's going okay, you haven't actually got to the rule yet, and I flip a destiny point while the proprietor snaps their fingers and all of a sudden these two savrips show up because we really need giant slabs of meat to come and try and tenderize the players. Yeah. Or intimidate. I'll see your loom and raise you savrips. <sighs> you can fundamentally change things. Like, the players are in a foot chase. They're actually trying to escape and to completely mess with their minds. You flip a GM story point or GM destiny point. So dark to light, some help shows up. A van pulls up at the end of a block. Side door rolling open and it's like, get in. Do we get in? <laughs> they just flipped a destiny point. They just flipped a dark story point. Can we trust this? <laughs> <sighs> My mom told me not to talk to strangers. <laughs> Keeps running away. <laughs> I've known players and player characters that would do that too. Yeah. You can add in so much doing that, it makes it really fun. Yeah. And then they start doing things. Yes. I think that's something I really enjoy about the about the Destiny points is that it is it is really fun. <laughs> because when when players start using them in creative ways they can come up with some really fun things to add to the story i had one player flip a point and be like it was it was bigfoot he was trying to he was at bigfoot shop because this is something that happens in my games he's like can he have like something for me to buy and i was like yeah sure you know what he does he has a <laughs> box of potions for you to buy but he doesn't have any instructions on what any of them do. So he's like, you know what? I love it. I'm like, cool. So he went off and he he just, that was what he did. He, he flipped his point and said that Bigfoot has something for him to buy. I was like, cool. And he ended up using those to defeat the big bad guy. And it was great. It was great and creative. And I enjoyed that. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of the thing that I love about it too, is they're just 
in the end are so fun with how they get used. Like Yeah. That they are limited to once per action. It makes it so that it is something huge. And yeah, sure, there are talents where it's like utility belt, where it's flip a destiny point to have something on hand and just able to keep on flipping points. It's Yeah. Utility belt is disturbingly powerful when you think about it. It's like, oh yes, I have a blaster power pack. I have this, I have that. And just <laughs> slowly over scenes building a bomb. <laughs> <laughs> Like, oh yeah, I'm wanting this, I'm wanting that. I'm like, yeah, can I get a tiny bit of coaxium with this? Like, small file, you know, small. <laughs> it's totally worth that destiny point. Yeah. That form of Deus Ox Machina is inherent to the th- mechanic. Going for it, it's even on page 28 of Edge of the Empire. The whole, I'm wanting something to happen, and I am willing to spend a destiny point, which is a limited resource. Yeah. The amount of things that we can come up to use them on. We've been talking about roles. We've been talking about, honestly, pretty simple things for what we can use them for. Yeah. In some ways, players and GMs can almost use a Destiny Point within some reason as a variant of the X card. Where I will flip this Destiny Point and we just don't have to deal with that. Yeah. With them going back and forth, it's just such a mechanic that I love. And probably... One of the bigger things for me staying in the system, it's that economy and all the things that we can come up with to use them on. Definitely. Oh no, you have procured a yacht through less than legal (laughs) means. As you get out underway past the opening to the bay, I flip a destiny point and you find that the boat is taking on water (laughs) on account of the bilge pump has now expired. I flip a point. I totally know about how these things work. I know about how bilge pumps work. So I'm going to take a look at this. <laughs> yeah, see? Yeah. I flipped points to be like, I speak binary. I flipped points to be like, I speak Rodian. <laughs> that totally works. It's like, oh, yes, I absolutely speak Geonosin. Flip. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that's like one of my favorite things to use Destiny Points for, to be honest, is just be like, no, I totally know exactly what you're talking about, flip points. Yeah. I know, no, I'm, I'm an expert on whatever it is that we're dealing with right now. Which then me as a GM, anytime a player does say, it's like, oh, good, I don't have to be going through this weird voice. I don't have I to know. be doing all these clicking and buzzing. <laughs> Because, yeah. yeah, my monthly game is entirely, if they're an unintelligible language, they're the kind who kind of need you to do the unintelligible thing. <laughs> Risa, do you have any final thoughts to players and GMs about using story points or destiny points in their game? I think that the biggest part about story points and destiny points is just to keep that that story point economy flowing. Is to... <laughs> Is just try and keep everyone to continue using them through the game so that they keep going back and forth between dark and light. Because if they start stagnating or if they run out of light side points and they're all falling on the side of the GM, you need to start using them so that the the players have points to, to use again. Even if it means you're just flipping them and then continuing on with whatever you originally had planned. So like, oh, you know, I have flipped it and now... Exactly the people I thought were going to come, I was originally planning to come on, are now coming on. You know, you're giving it back to them so they can keep using them. I think that's a very important part 
of story and destiny points. So that's my final thought. About you. My final thought from using destiny points is more outlining where I'm currently attempting to shift my mind into. Like using them for roles, I am absolutely willing to cop to being a mean GM by using destiny points for almost every role. On account of, well, despair is fun. The other end of it, though, is uh, I have started to use them a lot more for, and this thing that I have planned that you think is somewhat unexpected happens. It's like, I like using it more now as the GM intrusion. Ah, uh, yes. The players have recovered from having a NPC crash onto the roof of their hover car, and they've come down, they've started to, like, attempt to do CPR and that sort of stuff and check out, is this person alive? Then I flip a Destiny point and all of a sudden things start shooting. Droids start dropping from the sky on the landing platform and start unfurling like they're B1 battle droids. Now all of a sudden there's a huge rush to get out of someplace. And yeah, I'm totally using it as Deus Ox Machina, but the players don't feel cheated because it's not just Ben's coming up with weird ideas, it's flip a point, flip a point, there's Something that the players are getting for this weird thing to happen. Yeah. Oh no! That light cruiser was hurting us all along. They knew that the Nebrays were coming through this way, and we would try to hide behind them. Drat. Well, quick, get us clear so we don't get them hurt while we slip past that Imperial Star Destroyer. Excuse me, pardon me, coming through, trying not to bump you. <laughs> Finally, I'm out of that school of Nebra. Do you think we're far enough away from the Star Destroyer to jump to light speed? Uh, you know what? I'll take my chances. Join us next time on another madcap tale from the Hydean Way. We can be found on Twitter at the Hydean Way, and I am at Cookie Kit. And I'm at Deuterium Ice. We are all at thehydeanway.com, where you can find previous episodes, links to things we talk about on the show, and our live play podcast, Heroes of the Hydean Way. You can find more episodes on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Plus, you can help us out by rating, reviewing, and subscribing. You can drop us a holocom at tales at thehydeanway.com. We're also on Facebook as Tales from the Hydean Way. If you like what we do and want to support the show, you can find us at patreon.com slash thehydeanway. Or you can buy us a coffee at ko-fi.com slash the Heidi and Way.